hey, y'all, I'm going on tour, even though I'm knocked up and pregnant. I'm still going to be at Rancho Mirage this Saturday, August 26th at the Agua Caliente Resort Casino. There's not a lot of tickets left, but come on down. Then I'm going to be doing my stand-up special taping at the Comedy Store on September 23rd in Hollywood, California. My sixth stand-up special. I'll be seven months pregnant. Come watch me give birth. ComedyStore.com for tickets. August 5th, I'll be in Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island in Canada. People are really excited about this, actually. I didn't realize there were so many people on this little island that I'm for sure going to get murdered on. I'll be at the Sobe Family Theater. October 6th, I'll be in Moncton, New Brunswick in Canada. Capitol Theater, October 7th. I'll be at the St. John, New Brunswick, Canada Imperial Theater. October 8th, I'll be in Waterville, Maine at the Waterville Opera House. October 13th, I'll be in Erie, Pennsylvania at the Warner Theater. October 14th, I'll be in Washington, Pennsylvania at the Hollywood Casino at the Meadows. And then next year, added my first date as a lady with a baby. July 6th, Las Vegas, Nevada. I'll be at the Mirage. Get your tickets now. Love you guys. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash Whitney and get on your way to being your best self, which I wasn't the last couple weeks, dude. Last week, I told you guys that I took a month off of therapy because I feel like I had it in the bag. <laughs> it was cured. It was in the bag, you know? <laughs> uh, I went to Austin. The Wi-Fi was shady. And I was like, I'm, I feel like I got this. I'm pregnant. I'm hormonal. What could go wrong? I just had my first session back, um, I want to say, four days ago, and I am finally back to being a functioning human. I immediately unfollowed seven people on Instagram, muted about 40 people. I was following a lot of cake people, like just people that make cakes. Oh, I not the mysterious is it cake people? Oh, no, not just girls with huge asses. <laughs> I was just following a lot of toxic people. And when you're not, when I'm not talking to a therapist, that always seems like a good idea. I went to the grocery store immediately after I talked to this therapist, I went to the grocery store. I stopped expecting food to magically just appear in my fridge and be like, well, I guess I have to eat Twix for dinner. I, I, I finally took my mother's ashes out of a FedEx box, <laughs> put them in a thing, only spilled some of them. Only a couple. <laughs> they really don't give you a lot of instructions on that, but finally was able to do that. Uh, I've been getting off the phone when I want to, not when they want to. The whole thing is a, just a miracle. Not going to therapy. I feel like it's like not putting on lotion, you know, which you probably never put on lotion. You're a white man, but only if it's a real issue. <laughs> <laughs> Only if your wife's out of town. <laughs> it's like, I feel like not wearing lotion, like not wearing it, not you, like you can go a couple days by the fourth or fifth day. You're like, why am I bleeding? Like, why am I in so much pain? It's the same thing with therapy. You know, you got to go. You got to do it. Everybody's uh, losing their mind. <laughs> Please. I can't take your guys' drama anymore. It's also, it's like not brushing your teeth. You know, you can go a couple days, get away with it, and then your teeth feel like they're wearing sweaters. It's the same thing in your brain. It builds up like plaque, brain crazy plaque, right? The older I get, the less I really want to talk to my friends about my issues because everyone, I'm talking to a therapist. Everyone in my life is a mess, okay? Everyone I used to call for advice now is in like a thruple 
or they're trying to get their kid in pageants or something. And I'm like, I can't, I'm going to just talk to a pro if that's cool. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Whitney today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Whitney. Bap, bap, bap. I'm so glad that we're doing this. Yes. I definitely feel a little bit of pressure, but don't, it's... don't, do not, do not. You were on my podcast that one, uh, and you were great. And Thank I, you. I don't even think that's aired yet. Okay, nice. Think, yeah. Thank you. I had a blast. But, yeah, I did too. Okay, so, good. No, don't worry. We're we're good together. We're, we're good. good together. It's also there's not a lot of people I get starstruck by. Oh my god! Now you're making me uncomfortable. Good. <laughs> that's what this podcast <laughs> is all about. <laughs> we make guests and the right. viewers, frankly, uncomfortable. Well, good. Let's well, good. But it's is. Are you uncomfortable? with that like i with, think people try to play it cool i don't try to play it cool if i get starstruck by someone if i make somebody starstruck my immediate first of all i'm like dude come on it's just me and then i want to say th then i get nervous because there's nowhere for me to go but down ah i don't like that ah, I, i'd rather okay. i'd rather be able I'm to putting you on a pedestal i'd rather be able to build myself up That's and have a realistic fair. impression of me i guess it's just for me it's like i grew up in a home with a lot of addiction a lot of alcoholism ah. and your show you know it was whether it was celebrity rehab or what you were talking about public you were like yeah. the first person i saw talking about addiction in a way that helped me understand it in any capacity so i have like an extra okay so that that's actually a high compliment for me because that's what i was trying to do and and it's i'll tell you the story of how celebrity rehab happened it's kind of interesting but i'm having kind of a flashback the first time i met you was at jim jeffrey's house that's and, right and when he was getting his about, citizenship and we talked about codependency that's what we that's talked right. about and so you you remember that because i remember it but mm -hmm. anyway so celebrity rehab was i'm really fun at parties guys <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like hey do you want to talk about codependence <laughs> and we're gonna get way into love addiction if you need to <laughs> it's like a sunday everyone's in the pool in bikinis and i'm just like so um, i'm on my fourth step and <laughs> just like you did talk about your step first yeah. i recall so so is that do people really i mean are you able to move through the huh. world at all like i i have a hard time moving through the world without people expecting me to be funny or being like tell yeah. me a joke or yes do a video or whatever so, so it's not so it, it depends you know we you and i both live in lots of different worlds but you're, you're almost always funny i i have lots of different worlds i live in where i'm doing different things can i make that my next special title almost always funny <laughs> <laughs> but i mean you you also are as a or out doing, i'm either funny or really serious right, i kind of don't have an in-between people know who you are is what i'm saying and not just because you're funny and, and they know your talents they know you and 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 I kind of feel like I, I do all these different things as so people. What they want is typically me to solve their problems, right? And it's <laughs> you're laughing at that. <laughs> Why is that funny? No, it's just like <laughs> it's just it's it. I, there's very few people where I'm like. I can't imagine how hard that is. Like, I think people look at well, stand-ups and they're like, I don't know how you do that. But I love it. I love people that come up to me. I love being able to help. The problem is people don't understand what they're asking. <laughs> they, they, they oftentimes, typically, will have a question that, well, they would either ask me things that were inappropriate and sort of back me against the candy section at the 7-Eleven, you know, with stuff where I'm thinking, oh my God, there's no going to be no beginning, middle, and end to this conversation. No, like no. in an office, you know, you come in, here's the beginning, you tell me your thing, we write it down, we sure. here's we come back next time, we'll do this thing. When you're out in the world, there's no structure to the conversation. It could go forever. Sometimes it's inappropriate stuff. They want to hear about their sexuality and things because they remember Loveline. More often, it's somebody sort of celebrity rehab-esque. 
who is asking a question where literally if you could read the thought bubble over my head, it would be, dude, if I had a team, I've had oh. a psychologist, a psychiatrist, an internist, a chemical dependency counselor, maybe a couple other therapist types, it would take all of us nine years to help improve sure, this sure. situation. Yeah. This is above and my pay want, grade. They want an answer that that fixes it now. And that's a really interesting kind of thing because people expect information to fix their emotional landscape, Ooh. you know, and it just doesn't. My, I use information to motivate people to go do the work. Mm -hmm. And you know how hard the work is. Yeah. You got to do it and do it regularly for a long time to change the wiring and to change our feeling states and stuff. So... You know, there we are. Uh, all uh, right. Well, there goes my first question, which is but, fix so, me in, so, in with one answer. So, I've been trying. I mean, I, I mean. <laughs> I'm finding that I was talking to Tom Papa about this last night. So now that I'm pregnant and kind of visible, it is wild the things people say to me. And he said he was like, oh, we realized when my wife was pregnant that everything people say to you is just admitting what they feel there's certainly a lot of that these days you're just a, lot a projection, of projection machine yeah, a lot you know of i think that's a function of where we are in terms of our character construct in this country right now do you in general a lot of projection. as someone that has seen you know so much obviously um and we're going to get to the, the psychological stuff in, in yeah. a second but yeah. that in general i find whenever i'm judging someone else it's usually because i see something in them that bothers me it's, that's the classic thing it's like when you point one finger at someone else you point three at yourself yeah. but in general if i'm like she just wants male attention i'm like oh, that's <laughs> Me? No, like it's the easiest way to tell on yourself. It's it's a common thing, and and I'm I'm and I am not labeling what you're describing, except to say that you know I wrote a book on narcissism back mm -hmm. in the '90s or is it '90s? Maybe 2000 now, and um, and I saw this all coming. I saw it. I saw the narcissistic turn. We all have sort of had a narcissistic turn in our character structure. Mm -hmm. uh, and what's the difference between narcissism, self obsession? and insecurity-driven, like I'm a piece of shit in the center of the universe. So let's kind of break it down. Um, insecurity, anybody can feel insecure, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it depends about what you're doing with your life and how you're functioning interpersonally and do you have, are you able to function flexibly and do it the way you no. want to? Okay. But nobody is perfect, right? <laughs> and so everyone has certain amount of insecurity. So that, that's a separate thing. In terms of self-preoccupation, that has lots of elements to it too, right? People that are in pain, it's hard not to be self-obsessed if you're yeah. in pain, yeah. right? And that some of that pain you may not be aware of, maybe trauma in the past, maybe way in the back, but it's just driving that self-preoccupation. Narcissism is a specific construct. I, I think of it a few different ways. Uh, you know, narcissistic disorder is one thing. I'm really not talking about narcissistic personality disorder because those are insufferable mm -hmm. and they aren't treatable and they're just they're hard to be around. There's a lot of it these days, but it, they're hard to be around. But all of us has these sort of narcissistic traits now, right? And is there kind of this? This is sort of a you know probably just a you know myth, but the idea of like you can tell a sociopath if you yawn and they don't or whatever. Like narcissists they'll never admit they're a narcissist, right? I remember going to a therapist and being like, am I a narcissist? I mean, I have this job where all I do is talk about myself and think <laughs> about myself. And she's like, narcissists normally don't come to therapy and ask if they're narcissists. Right. So narcissists can never entertain the fact that they would be one. Whereas if you said to me, Whitney, you might be a narcissist, I'd be like, yeah, I probably am. Well, you might have narcissistic traits, but to have a disorder, like a personality disorder, per people with personality disorders don't perceive anything in their life as relating to what's going on internally in them. Mm. It's all out there. Blame. Blame, whatever. It's all happening out there to me mm -hmm. uh, but it's not because of me i i have no i just yeah i think everything's my fault so <laughs> <laughs> so 
yes, codependency, <laughs> yeah. which is a weirdly kind of a, I'm a codependent too, right? And codependency is a weird sort of inverse narcissism, mm-hmm. right? I hate myself. I'm the worst. But it's still, I ruin it's the still, party. It's I, still, but it's still, yeah, I'm ruining the party, but also I need to fix that person. Yeah, uh, They need me. And it's I'm our, saying everyone's broken. <laughs> I need to fix that person implies they all need my help. Right. Because I'm God. Well, it, it doesn't have to go all the way there. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. If you've gone there. That's yeah, I just <laughs> mean like the exact, like, you know, when you're in a CODA you meeting mean. and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to change that person's childhood and ancestral wiring and epigenetic imprinting with yeah. my love. Like, yeah. that's delusional. Yeah. And, and it, but it is, uh, it's compelling in ways that people aren't aware of. You, it's for people who don't know what we're talking about, it, it's it, you experience it as sort of a special appreciation of other people's trauma. Like I understand them deeply, and I can help them. Yeah. I just, I get what I. Feel, but really, it's our pain that's being mobilized. We just can't tell the difference between somebody else's pain and, it's and like our own pain. It's like we take care, care, take other people the way we wish we were. And it's all to took. fix our own internal pain, yep. right? And so my work in therapy, which was a long time, I was in therapy a long time, was to try to figure out what I was feeling. I had, I had an abusive mom and dad was sort of narcissistic. And uh, so I never got connected to my primary feeling states. Mm. So it was all fixing everybody out here and yeah. keeping them okay. So they didn't, my mom was very abusive. And so I just you to attack. And if stuff. I can control these other people, I'll be safe. Yeah. Like, cause yeah. I never, I can't predict their moods. And yeah, like, you, you just, start... the child naturally just starts t- doing that. And you start you're... studying yeah. how to caretake the narcissist and caretake the people that can't, yeah. you know, caretake themselves so that you're safe. And so yeah. On. And so, and so on one hand, that becomes this great asset because you mm-hmm. become highly attuned to other people, right? I mean, you, ugh. you can shape shift, you're a chameleon, you can kind of. That, that's an asset too. But I'm, th- I always thought the asset, well, what is the work I do? The asset was I could really feel and appreciate and be empathic easily. The problem is I could be overtaken by it. Sure. And then I, I learned could... how to make people laugh and cheer people up, which is what I had to do there with the is. addict. So there it is. Uh, or I would mistake what's going on in you with something in me. I had to Ooh. separate those feelings. And, and and I've gotten very good at that, actually. Thank, thank to my therapist. Uh, but back to the back to the narcissism. That's fascinating. So, so, Codependents would make the best doctor, right? <laughs> and great nurses. Yes. Nurses are almost all oh, codependents. Yeah, because they're selfless and they're taking care of people. And they're for anybody that has this in them, it's a great asset. But yeah. don't rescue people. Yeah. When you rescue people, you make them dependent on rescue. Yes. You have not helped them. So they're it's just, like they're just going to look for another rescuer, or they're going to keep building and asking you for more, and they don't grow. They don't get better. The idea is to give them the dignity of their own experience. This is the like, insanity about the homeless situation. We get, we, I could I could help those people, mm-hmm. but you have to ask them to do something. Right. You have to say, here, come with me, mm-hmm. and let's do some more. If you're going to be their crutch, their ankle, broken ankles, never going to heal. If you're going to keep giving them their drugs, they're going to die. Yes. That's period. That's a, you know, people leave out the fact that addiction is progressive illness, progressive, particularly mm-hmm. opiate addiction. Mm-hmm. It ends in death, yep. period. Maybe that's what they want. The, the, Maybe the, that's what the, gov- well, the I, local I, governments want. I worry. It's so sinister to me that, that some of them just sort of don't care. And if that's where it goes, so mm-hmm. be it kind of thing. Wasn't like, it disgusting. Portland that did like a methadone clinic? I'm like, maybe they just want to kill them. I mean, well, I don't... They, want, they give them their heroin now in San Francisco. And it's like, look, I could administer the heroin to the patient. Yeah. They still will progress. Correct. They will still die. Narcissism. So narcissism at, at its core is this an, is an injury, right? And uh, it makes it it 
it makes the child at some point in their life feel small, insignificant, shamed, uh, and they start building a sense of themselves on top of this very small inner core of getting needs from their environment as they need to to build themselves up. So they, they learn how to get from the environment things to make them feel bigger and better and more, you know, sort of safe. Unfortunately, because of that, they, they develop what's called a pseudo self. Mm-hmm. It's really not a, it's not connected to their primary affects. There's no spontaneous feeling states. They can't because they don't have feelings when I mean, your feelings aren't really significant either. Mm-mm. And so they're very prone to empathic failure and can be abusive because they don't really appreciate that you have feelings necessarily. And in certain states, a lot of us get that way these days. Okay, guys, I'm just going to say it. I know this is going to be awkward. I'm pregnant and I'm horny. It happened. It's it's science. That's just it's not just me. Okay, some pregnant ladies wake up and puke. I wake up and jerk it. I know that's crass, but it's biology. I'm not going to be ashamed. And look, it's I don't need some romantic night with a whole thing. You know, it's more like checking a box. Literally, uh, you know, it's like there's something that happens when you're pregnant you're, where you're like, I'm going to murder someone if I don't have a machine sucking on my nether regions before I brush my teeth every morning. I don't know what it is. OK, I'm a big fan of sex toys. Uh, it Look, it used to be in order to be satisfied sexually, you had to start texting with an ex or get on some weird dating app or you'd have to shave your toes put cherry chapstick on your undercarriage, make a playlist with Frank Ocean songs, brush your hair. Now all you have to do is open a drawer. And guys love sex toys too. I used to think they were intimidated by them. They love it. Guys using sex toys in the bedroom, it's like the new grilling. They love it. Funlove.com is now my favorite website to get all things that solve your horniness problem. It's the leading online retailer of sensual health wellness products, offering a wide array of premier brands of toys, lingerie, and accessories. They've curated a section of the highest quality products, offering everything from soft and sexy to hot and spicy. You'll be sure to find what you're looking for if you're looking for products to enhance arousal, sexy lingerie, every toy imaginable, everything except boyfriends, girlfriends, wedding rings, It's just about solving that biological problem. There is something to satisfy any desire at funlove.com. What are you waiting for? Explore, discover, indulge, and make love fun by visiting funlove.com. They just sent me this. I'm very excited for this is called the Date Night Special Edition Set. Hey, girl, this is what date night looks like at this point. Just this box to use on my box. Funlove.com for a limited time. My listeners can save 25% off your first order by entering code Whitney at checkout. Go to fun, F-U-N-L-O-V-E.com. Use code Whitney at checkout. Save 25% today. That's funlove.com. Code Whitney. Send. Make some fun love today. Is it true that um, you can kind of tell what someone um, like narcissists project the image that their parents would have approved of or that their parents would have loved? They, they in their can mind? do that. They, so they, it can get specific. Yeah, like if they, someone's yeah, like, I'm sure. the best athlete ever, it's like, oh, your dad wanted you to be a great athlete. Sure. And, and that, that certainly happens. And back to projection, I, I was listening to a French psychoanalyst one day and, and he said something simple but profound. He says, if you're dealing with a narcissist and he or she says, you are. What you hear is, I am. I am. I thought that was just a great concept. 100%. Yeah. 
And I've just been really like, because, you know, we talked about this and we'll get into I quit smoking weed. I got got a little out of control during the pandemic and um, I had trouble sleeping for a lot of my life. And so I'm like, oh, I'm smoking weed to go to sleep instead of taking a Lunesta, which is bad for you. And I'm not having dreams and everyone I know is so creative on it. And maybe I, you know, need to stop being so abstemious because that's my addiction to control, like the insidious nature of addiction. I had never had a substance thing. Mm. You know, it was always I was in recovery to recover from rest, you know, getting people sober. Yeah, everybody else in their life was a drug addict. Even though that's still a substance is the internal drug cabinet of adrenaline and cortisol and rescuing people. And how do I, you know, recreate my childhood circumstance with maximum drama and only Uh, surrounding myself with people that I can't get sober, you know, just to be in a constant state of hell. And then all of a sudden it's like, I deserve this. But but there's a there's a piece in there that you left out, which is Uh that you that you really can't get rid of as a codependent is that you like addicts, alcoholics. (sighs) You're you like them. You're attracted to them. And that's kind of why I work with them. I think they're wonderful. That's the other thing is they're the best. (laughs) They are the best. Now, now you don't. They have tattoos. That's all I care about at this point. No sober people have cool tattoos. I need your ex-girlfriend's name right above your ball sack. That's my thing. And no one that wasn't on crack has that. It's my kink. Oh, my God. And and you do. (laughs) I once dated a guy that had no veins in his arms because they had all collapsed. Yep, he'd used them all. Yeah, and yep. I was like, that's hot. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you don't want to be around them when they're using. You need them to be in sobriety for a long period of time. But I think there's, there's probably— still, There's something about them genetically that you'll There might be, be something of... sick about, though. When I was really dating hardcore addicts, like yeah. learning Spanish in order to fight with drug dealers— <laughs> <laughs> Like, Who is your I sponsor? Need, I need to support that person. Babel, uh, Babel, promo code Whitney. Learn Spanish so that you could fight with your boyfriend's drug dealers. And I think there was something for me. I was so terrified of intimacy. When you're in a relationship with someone that's using, you're in something without being in something. Right. They're that's not right. there. You're, 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 you're in intensity rather than intimacy. Yeah, and they're and people gone. confuse. And when you're a co or love addict or sex addict, you confuse intensity and. And they can't reject you if you have their cocaine. <laughs> You know, so then you're like managing the person and you're caretaking the person and fixing the person. And you feel like you have you're not a total piece of shit because you're rescuing something. when in fact, you're just enabling and making the person sicker. It's misery. I'm the lady in misery. How long ago was that relationship? (laughs) Oh, that was I was like 23. Okay, like, you know, it's productivity and cooperation makes dopamine. Right. And just this false sense of productivity. But it's all but it. it, Yes, it's all gets you high and all that, too. But 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 it's 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 our childhoods. You know, it's it's our it's our attachments and our attractions. I grew up obsessing over an addict, how to make them happy. It's the only identity I had. Also, the the a thing that we don't talk about much, certainly in our culture, is where do attractions come from? Like intense attractions. Number one question. Yeah. Literally number one question. So, so Fetishes, attractions, In the world that I live and work in, and probably some myself personally, uh, it's trauma. You know, think, for some reason, our brain is set up in such a way is when we have childhood trauma, we become attracted to people and circumstances that are very much like the original trauma. The psychologists will go that we're trying to master it, solve it, all stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure that it has any rational well, basis. Well, when to you it. have that trauma, you release do- uh, adrenaline, which turns into dopamine, right? 
Yeah, but I think it creates some wiring. It mm. creates some wiring in some way that we just have to repeat, repeat, repeat. It must have had some evolutionary purpose, Advantage. not for us, but maybe for the group watching us do that yeah. and fuck ourselves up or something, because it makes no evolutionary sense mm -hmm. in terms of the individual. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it is uncanny how people get so attracted. And they and what happens if you really are, if you notice a pattern in your life where you are attracted to a certain kind of person and that person... Every time you are, you start a relationship, it ends up being somebody who's abandoning or abusive or whatever the thing mm -hmm. is that you seem to recreate. Becomes your comfort zone. That's the psychological aspect. I, I'm not sure there's a psychology. Again, you just do it. And, yeah. and the, the, the thing I have to tell everybody is that you're, it's your body telling you something, right? And when you feel lightning bolts, mm -hmm. when you feel like, oh, I'm so attracted to that person— your body, if that's your pattern, is a perfect instrument. And even if that guy or gal looks nothing like, and mm -hmm. you're making careful efforts to make sure he doesn't have collapsed veins, and he's not a cocaine addict, <laughs> and not even any tattoos, <laughs> he or she will oblige you. They will be the exact same person. Because your perfect instrument, yep. your trauma leaves a perfect sort of mark on you that gets recreated over and over again. It can be resolved. Right. As we've talked about, it, it takes time, lots of time. Trauma therapy, codependency recovery, sex and love addiction recovery. These are all things you, you'll always still kind of, like I said, you'll always like them. You'll always it, still like them both. You got to be able to find people that are not quite that attractive to you. They'll be healthier. I did a 10 month attachment strategy uh, course with this guy, George Haas. He has a podcast called I Love You Keep Going and sort of about you figure out what your attachment style is, you know, uh, fearful, avoidant, preoccupied, da da da. And the way he describes it as Christmas trees. You walk into a party yeah. and someone is your Christmas yeah. tree. Yeah. They just li they light up. Yeah. They glow from across the uh, room. There's some I'm kind of across the room. Across the That's room. how insane we are. You Steve, vibrate on a different yeah. frequency to this him. person. Now, now, but is he talking about? Is that? Healthy attachment too, or just all no, no, pathological no. stuff. Yeah, path yeah. Just yeah. the some that I yeah. will the most. Yeah, because normal people, normal so to speak, who's nobody, but normal people don't have that. Oh, I gotta secure attachment. Yeah. Well, let's say yeah. securely attached. Yeah, people. Like, they'll take their time to develop the. And intensity. it's I have this wound that's one side of the puzzle piece. You have this other side of the puzzle piece. Boom! Everybody else is boring, and he, basically, it took me a long time to realize, like. This guy's boring. This relationship's boring. And boring and uncomfortable. Boring like, and uncomfortable. Yeah. Number one, it took me a long time. Yeah. I would conflate boredom with serenity. Oh, That's yeah. actually just serenity. But I'm I'm really like I'm made in a lab for that chaos. That doesn't mean I have to do it, but it took me a long time to go like, I'm just bad at serenity. I don't, when things are calm, when someone your, is, ne your next stand-up should be Whitney Cummings made in a lab. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. What isn't these days? Um, and uh, it's a Chinese bot. And so, um, you know, it's kind of like when things are serene, when someone's available, when someone's consistent, when someone yeah. loves me, yeah. I start to get a little wacky. You wonk. get wacky, yeah. Well, because I'm like, well, what are you hiding? Are you a Scientologist? Like, when's the other shoe going to drop? I start to kind of like feel like the damn the damn clay sword is yeah. yeah and it's very it's a so and really it's just fear of attachment fear of closeness and oddly the person who's unavailable and chaotic is more comfortable to me because i don't have to fear being seen excuse me being rejected because it's already just yeah it's all you're just dealing with the intensity at all and not with the real relationship totally and so I, even I, though you will be 
that chaos is more comfortable than it intimacy. And, and by the way, when it ends or he or she leaves, whatever, you're still going to feel horrible. It might be sometimes worse because you're sort of re-traumatized. It's all over again. There it is again. So the idea is like, you know, can of pizza for dinner every night. It's like, yeah, I would love to go eat that cake, but yeah. I'm not going to. I would love to talk to That's that guy, right. but I know how this ends. You know where it goes. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. you got to know that clearly. And then, and then there's sort of an intermediate zone you can kind of get into where, you know, maybe a recovering addict for 10 years sober or whatever. You know you're taking some risk with that, but that's probably somebody who could be close to you mm-hmm. and still has some of those qualities you like, whatever. I mean, you can have some lightning bolt or a little thunder in the background. Yeah. You just can't be thunderstruck. Yes, yes. It, and love addiction is real. It it's, is real. It's, it's really hard to delineate the difference between ACA, codependence, and the love addiction thing. Correct. But it really helped me to just very simple definition of the definition of addiction is like, it's first of all, it stops being fun. You know, and you're not able to stop when you want to. And those toxic relationships where you keep going back, even though it always hurts, you're it doesn't it kind of boil down to a gambling addiction too? Oh, they're all very similar. They all kind of because you're like two weeks ago we had a great night. Maybe tonight's the night. You're kind of like at the craps table. Well, that's really interesting. Yeah, that that part where the the cycle of abuse is going. You know, tonight's the night. It's going to be a good night. There's also the the way the abuser plays those experiences is when you do get the reunion it's so idealized and yeah. over the top and intense and everything and then here comes the abuse on right, the side right yeah let me ask can i just real quick is gambling addiction something that is from what i understand that's the roughest or uh, it, it is very tough it, and it's sort of the clearest behavioral addiction that has you know that a model of addiction really fits. It really fits it. And the interesting thing about it is uh, there's different kinds of gambling addiction. There are people that are actually debtors and like losing. They don't like losing so much, but they like having their back against the wall. They don't feel alive unless they're they're, they're in trouble. You know, they're losing, they're out of money, they've debted, they've stole stuff. That's that's where they want to be. That's where they get high, right? There's gambling addicts that like making money. I, I had a friend that was a um, a whale manager in Vegas, and he said, he goes, I'll court them, I'll bring them in, and when they win a million dollars, I know they're going to lose everything in six months. I'm like, you know that, and you still do it? Is it like me with a good relationship? I'm like, ah, I got to ruin this. <laughs> Right, right. Well, they know the game. They get stuck in it. And they, he just knows how gambling works. And yeah. you know, if you are in the winnings thing, you can't pursue, take the win. You're, it's, you're not going to win. You're going to lose eventually. You just and so so the people get high off winning, which is not as common as you might think. And there are people that dissociate when they gamble. So the people that do the slot machines and the <gasps> poker machines, video machines. I had a guy that ran a, a friend of mine ran a uh, gambling lab where he'd put he'd wire people up and send them. He worked at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. And he said he had two or three gambling addicts, screen gambling addicts, again, poker or, or slot machine, who would actually go to the casino in diapers because they would dissociate so much. They would just, lo- they would pee themselves and stuff. That is a yeah. rock bottom if I've ever heard <laughs> so, one. When you're checking out with the pens at yeah. Costco, that's when you need to take to, a good to, hard look. To go check, to go buy the MGM, yeah. Woo! Yeah, so there's lots of different... Which, by the way, I did go to a Workaholics Anonymous meeting once and everyone was late. <laughs> and we were all like a good 45 minutes late. Uh, most of us got in trouble because it was, you know, it was a lot of people in our business that, you know, yeah. we, a lot of us recognize each other. Yeah. And um, 
we kept saying to each other, like, I love your work. I was like, I love your work. Big fan. And they're like, you can't say that in here because it's work all. <laughs> like, we're basically, it's like, so it's like being at an AA meeting and being like, you are so hilarious drunk. Or, or he's more than that. It's yeah. like, dude, we did crack together. That was dude, the best crack ever. That was the best ever. Ever. <laughs> it's like, it's like, So we were all just, it was very, it was very awkward. But there were people that were addicted to like scrapbooking who couldn't stop. Yes, people yes. that would sneak out of their house at two in the morning to go back to their boutique that they owned. To, you know. So this kind of stuff gets going. There right? was a, a, a one person's bottom line, which is bottom line is explained as like a thing that a line you won't cross or so. So there's there's circle plans and line and bottom lines, and so the way behavioral addictions are dealt with because a lot of these behavioral addictions you have to still do. You have yep. to eat. You have to have sex. You have to you have to have sort of things that you just won't do for a while. And mm-hmm. sometimes things move in and out of that won't do category. You have things that are slippery and dangerous. You have to be careful. Talk to your sponsor about. And you have things that are good at enhancing. And so you you make a point of doing those things. But like a bottom line for overeaters, for example, I won't have Cheetos in the house. Right. They don't get to be in the house at all. It's a bottom line. Right. I mean, just a bottom line. And a bottom line for um, a woman who was a workaholic in that meeting said, when I have to pee, I will get up and pee. <laughs> and I, I do that. I'll be writing and I'll be like, okay, I'll just one more page and then I'll pee. Yes, Two more yes, pages and then I'll pee. Yes. And I'm like, I'm not it's getting sort of a up badge to of pee. Honor too. It's like, I didn't even pee. I, I, was, so, I was so into my work. No one gives you a check or a trophy when you haven't peed and give yourself a UTI. Oh, but I know that I haven't gone that far, obviously. But I, you know, if I'm I pee, a, I'm going to fall behind. I'm a severe workaholic too. Severe, severe, severe. Who? I, I am. Oh, okay. I was really bad. But but before I, I want to finish but the one thing But if you're saving people's lives, it's tricky. I know. It's so reinforcing. It's like, it's like being... It's like being an exercise, you know, a uh, bulimic exercise bulimic because everyone reinforces what you're doing. It's like you're doing, you're looking great, you're doing yep. good. Oh my God, yep. what are you doing? Back to back to the treadmill. But it's sort of like if you get sober off workaholism, a lot of people probably will die. <laughs> no right. pressure. No. So thank you. Sorry. Um, but I, I'll tell you how bad I took it. Um, but the um, there is a sociopathic gambling addict too. There are sociopaths that are trying to manipulate with gambling, Ooh. and those guys are really. They think the best they're, poker players probably are. They probably are, and they but they often kind of flirt with criminality too. So the sort of that. Ooh, that are they single? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who do you know any of them? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll see if any of them have any good tats on them. I'm curious about fetishes. Um, oh yeah. I we talk about foot fetishes. We don't really know. We don't know about yeah. the foot fetish thing. Yeah. There's everything from toes look like dicks to the, you know the theory that you know if you're a, a little boy that was crawling across a something rug intense happens. and you felt it on something on your genitals yeah, while you something. saw your mom be barefoot doing yeah. the something we just don't know something but something intense you experience also the foot the image of the foot and certain sexual arousal centers are very closely connected Whoa. anatomically. Yeah. So some people theorize it's actually anatomically, almost like, almost like a synesthesia. Yeah, yeah. Kind of thing, yeah. but with your dick. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also like, it's so, just, uh, it's, it's and not. why is it only men? Why is it that are in defeat? Yeah, it's always men. I don't, women don't. Women, I men, think women are like with hands. I'm like, I'm into men's hands. Interesting, but that makes sense, doesn't it? You would no. want a man that has hands that can carry things and oh, carry see. a baby I and see. I see. hoist strength. you up. I mean, strength. Yeah, strength. I, I heard you doing what? <laughs> so you on something? I was a, a, a TikTok or something about uh, the the ballet, the men in ballet that hoist. Oh, the, oh yeah, ballet. There's there are men in ballet and they hold up the ballerinas by their pussies. Yeah, it's like ballet's the... wild. It's gotta go. Why? What are we doing? Um, I got in trouble for that. Like you the ballet. Oh, the ballet. LA community came for me. They were like, this is the basis for all dance. I'm it like, was cool. a joke. <laughs> can't, can't. But it's also, if you are going, you're, 
addiction. You're intentionally going out of your way to misunderstand what you know is a joke in order to justify being offended. And you're, being, being offended and being a victim. A hundred percent. You're addicted yeah. to self-righteous indignation. Which is so much today, so much, so disturbing. I think Never there's like, thought I'd live in a time like I this. think we're going to look back and go like, oh, we, the same way that now like our uh, rehabs are opening up for cell phones and social yep. media. And we're yep. going to go like, oh, that was the self-righteous indignation addiction from social media. And these people like we'll have compassion for them ultimately. No, I feel bad for the person that has to go out of their that can't enjoy a joke. Yes, I because feel bad they for that. need so badly yes. Yes. to be mad. Yes, I do about feel bad it. for those people. I that to me is just like the ultimate. If you're addicted to crack or so, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's no, it's, so it, sad it, to it, me. It, there's a lot of categories of that for me. Like somebody wearing a mask outside, a paper mask, especially. That's it's a like, fear addiction. What did we do to you? Yeah. We've, we've done something to you. I'm sorry. You know, I've, I do feel some. Compassion. I think at this point, if you're wearing a mask in public, you're just trying to cover a herpes outbreak. We know what you're doing. <laughs> okay, I know what you're doing. Don't do this. You just take a Valtrex like an adult. <laughs> um, do you think, however, that that people's addictions, uh, sex stuff, is getting more extreme because of porn, or has it always been extreme? And I think it's getting hard to say, right? Because it's always been so covert. Right. Uh, I do think it's getting more extreme because of. The internet. And you're basically, your tolerance gets higher and higher. I've seen this crazy thing. Now I need to. Yes. Yes. And, and, and you know, if you were into women in high heels t stepping on bugs or something 40 years ago. Sure. How, how much status, where are you going to find that, right? Uh -huh. But now they can just spend all day, you know, amplifying that crazy preoccupation. Right. Right. Do you um, think there's any iteration of porn that's healthy? I have a I have mixed feelings about porn. I I I, I do feel there's plenty. and there's such a spectrum of it. Yeah, too, there's so. plenty that's fine, yeah. right? I I worry about the people performing in it because some you know sometimes they're being exploited and take advantage of and they don't really know what they're acting out and whatever. But that's up to them. Right, right. Um, You'd be surprised I, how many laws I had since doing the. Um, with OnlyFans TV, the roasts and stuff. And um, I've had on a bunch of, uh, we'll porn get demonetized stars. if we say porn star at this point. What oh, are we yeah, saying? Porn star, uh, sex, sex cinema, thespian, okay, adult yeah, yeah. cinema, thespian, okay. whatever. I didn't know that they do drug testing before every shoot. I mean, and a bunch of HIV testing. Yeah, and sex, they have better health care than comedians. No, no, for, sure. For, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, they're careful about what they're doing, but but they some of them are actually, I think, are doing something that's fine. They're not hurting themselves, but other ones have a lot of trauma and stuff. And they're like, I'm fine with it. You know, the trauma people are going, yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I just this is just what I want to do. It's like, OK, just, you know, yeah. why do you why are you so disgusted by why are you crying? And why are you crying? <laughs> <laughs> why, do you, you know? why do you have a tattoo that says breathe? <laughs> but so so. Uh, I remember back in the day, you know, I was deep in the AIDS pandemic epidemic and treating treating those men, and it was just the darkest, saddest. There's so few people around that can tell you that story about how profound that was. And back then, you know, when one male partner would get HIV, we'd tell the other, like, you guys can mutually, you can mutually masturbate, you can watch porn together. We'd actually formally recommend this, mm -hmm. you know, uh, so it had a therapeutic value at one time. 
bringing to the present moment, I think if couples want to they get to watch it together and stuff like that, fine. People need to mm-hmm. masturbate, fine. I mean, it's not it's it's not unhealthy. Yeah, it's when you're nine and getting yep. exposed to it, or you're addicted to it and you can't stop. I mean, this is a problem. Gail Dines so. did an interesting TED talk on this, um, which was about how when you're a boy, you're ten, yep. you're eleven, yep. you're gonna want to see boobies. Yep. You know, and it used to be you would go to see your find your dad's Playboy. Playboy. You would see some boobies. You would see pubes. You would see what you need to see. Now you Google boobies, naked lady, gang bang, fist in the butthole, prolapsed anus, like that. Whatever you're into, Whitney. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) whatever whatever, my algorithm is. (laughs) Yeah, whatever your preferences are. (laughs) (laughs) There's this um, comedian, Dan Mintz. He's... um, written on a ton of stuff he has this joke he does these like one-liners like Stephen Wright one-liners and he has this amazing joke he goes you know like porn has changed so much like you know it used to be I would wait around for the Sears catalog to come and then I would flip to the lingerie section but now I can just go to (laughs) sears.com that's funny Adam we used to talk about how he would masturbate to the 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 box cover of the pool floaty you know, there'd be a woman in a bit of bikini <laughs> on, the, on a pool float, that blue and yellow pool floating. And then he goes, that, that's what I took home with me. He was and in the, the construction of the box. He's like, this is so well constructed. But, but what you don't appreciate as a male is once that biology turns on, it is, I, what it was God thinking? What was he thinking? Yeah. Because it's so intense and so overwhelming for the male. And, and I think there's something that happens between about 11 and 14 where it also wires in preferences, mm. the things you see that are so mm-hmm. intense, you become like, that's your thing. Is that's there a it. connection between breastfeeding and obsession maybe, with boobies? Maybe. I'm, not, I'm not that. Maybe, yeah. maybe not. Um, certainly there's you know, people, I've certainly seen a pattern in men that are breastfed well into childhood. There mm-hmm. seems to be like an open, like, that's what I because like. Because you're in a relationship with your mom. It's Why are you of... breastfeeding till five? <laughs> yeah, You're yeah. with your kid now. Yeah. But I do know when I got my sex robot built, the sex robot factor. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> that is a gift. <laughs> in my uh, fourth special, I had a sex oh, robot yes, belt. I remember. I remember. Yes, and, yes, um, yes. I'll show it to you. I did see it. I saw it. I'll show uh, you yes. uh, what I ended up making, but they had this wall of nipples uh, that men could pick which nipples they wanted. The most popular was dark and large. L- like so, a large areola? A large or, or areola, a large, yeah. large nipple, and dark nipple. Which is when you're pregnant, your nipples yes, get darker than when you're true. breastfeeding. So there is... That's interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. And something and, really promising or exciting or, you know, everyone was like, eh, sex robots, they're bad. I got all this information that was so heartening. The biggest complaint people have about the sex robots and the sex dolls right now is that they're too thin and they're too skinny. But a lot of people that purchase them are handicapped. You know, they're trucked. They're hard to carry around. So they want bigger ones. They want ones with bigger thighs, bigger asses, bigger arms. But they're just too cumbersome to carry around. Interesting. Yeah, yeah men they don't like super thin. What they request in private yeah. is actually really promising. <laughs> no, we Damn. like we like. You know, her things. Yeah, I mean, some men, the... uh, not all men. I like, guess some men like very athletic, and this yeah. men are all over the place. But sure. but a lot of that gets wired in twelve to fourteen, and it's wired in by images they see. And uh, I think Playboy had a big effect on a lot of men. 
It seemed like a lot of, oh, by the way, my OB, I'm, you know, because I'm a comic, I'm always like, what are the latest trends? Like, what's going on? Like, what are you hearing? What are the latest, like, STDs? Like, whatever. And she was, she's so amazing. She just tells me everything. She goes, "Um, well, a lot of women are actually asking for plugs because they had lasered off their uh, pubes and now pubes are back in. Oh, my God. That's wild. Like, if you tell me Merkins are back. (laughs) That is wild. Because everyone lasered, myself included, and now pubes are kind of back. So when you laser your pubes, you laser everything? You laser everything. And the way the, that I did it, I did like seven or eight sessions. So it comes a, back. It, so, it's, yeah. more, it's like Smithers hairs. It's not fully cut. It comes. It's like Smithers Bush. Yeah, like chemo energy, big chemo energy. Such so, a turn on. <laughs> so so Smithers like, chemo. These are all things I just. Bought. It's like leprosy pussy. <laughs> so it, you kind of have to like shave it a little bit. He, Other- he's laughing, but he's under his breath. He doesn't want to admit he's laughing. He's emailing human resources. Um, and so yeah, it, you laser everything, and you know, for the most part, it doesn't grow back if okay, you did it okay. the way I did it. Which, yeah, wow. I got a coupon and went hard. I remember when I first saw that or heard about, I didn't see it so much, but I heard about the transformation from the gynecologist about the nude vagina. The, and, and I was like, what? That's like a little kid. It's it is. Ew. It is kind but, of pedo But then you get like, then it's a thing. Then you're expecting that. Yeah. It's it's weird how things... Well, because that's kind of what was in porn, but now guys can see that all the time in porn, and there's something really sort of exotic Intense, or something. about Intensity yeah. again. Yeah. Uh-huh. About seeing pubes again. Because I, I think guys that... Guys that like the generation before oh grew up looking at pubes in Playboy. So by the yeah. time they got out in the world and they saw bald, they were like, what? Yeah. But now they grow up seeing bald in first, porn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. know? And yeah. then so to see pubes is like, You're what? right. Exotic. It's so fascinating. So I don't know. We are, humans are so fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> we are so fucked up. I mean, really. Come on. That is just the best way to put it. As someone that knows as much about this as you, it's like, we're fucked I up, love man. Them. I love them. I do. I'm fascinated by them. The human yeah. experience is, the, is my entire being. Mm. I'm invested in it, and I and I love it, but we are fucked up. Yeah, I mean, we're also wired for a, society, a civilization that doesn't exist anymore. We're wired yeah. for very different circumstances, you know? So we yeah. kind of have all these obsolete, survival mechanisms and yeah, yes. instincts I'm and impulses. Say yes, but I, I the and my yes but is so let's be aware of them. let's not pretend yeah. they're not there and yeah. manage them manage them so they work for you but don't pretend we we want to pretend these things aren't there or haven't come through biological history uh-huh. they're there and we can we work with them they're fine uh, there they're, is a big trend of men that are abstaining from masturbating yes there's the all I, this weird the ice bath people yeah <laughs> that would help but but there's all this there's all sort of incel stuff all over the place now but and, is that technical because it's i know a couple guys that they don't watch porn and they don't jerk off and i'm like that feels like another addiction to control or another thing yeah. and then now you're gonna have to be more promiscuous or it, it feels something's up right but after like, a while does it start to be less um, yes, yes, intense it does. yes it does how long does it take if you're gonna kind of if you want to stop because if you do have a masturbation addiction or sex yes. addiction you do have to go fully fully no as, as adam says cold jerky cold jerky if you're going to go cold jerky him, how yes. long does it take to stop wanting to yeah. shoot up a school it, it, <laughs> it, it's it's very as i think about it interestingly it's it's very similar to what what it's in my head is the 
the graph on testosterone, which starts to fall if you re restrain yourself from sexual activity, and that helps. Mm. But in, in reality, it also runs a pattern similar to how any addiction settles down. It takes about six months. Mm. And it may be three to four to start to be like, okay. Stop craving it. Yeah. But uh, is some of that, I'm sure, is testosterone falling also. But it's not optimal health either, right? Because your body wants testosterone. You can you can deplete your testosterone by jerking off too much. Yep. And you can it can fall when you don't do have enough sexual activity. And now here's a little insight into one of my therapy sessions with a BetterHelp counselor. Hey, Sue Joe, MA, is a licensed marriage and family therapist with clinical focus and interest in Asian American mental wellness, anxiety, and stress management relationship and family dynamics, and trauma relief. Heisu is the current head of clinical operations at BetterHelp, the world's largest online therapy service where she empowers other therapists in being successful at bringing their skills online. Heisu Joe's input is general psychological information based on research and clinical experience. It's intended to be general and informational in nature. It does not represent or indicate an established clinical or professional relationship with those inquiring for guidance. Also, just because you might have heard something on the show that sounds similar to what you're experiencing, beware of self-diagnosis. Diagnosis is not required to find relief, and you'll want to find a qualified professional to assess and explore diagnoses if that's important to you. If you or your partner are in a crisis and uncertain of whether you can maintain safety, reach out for support. Crisis hotlines, local authorities have a safety plan that can be done with a therapist too. When I think about forgiveness, I think a lot of people focus so much on the other person, like how can I forgive them and move on? A lot mm. of times people aren't really thinking about how they can forgive themselves for whatever Ooh. was involved in this thing. Um, it's it's not being able to let go of your perceived contribution to this issue. Um, you mentioned shame earlier, and shame is this feeling that comes when we think we did something bad, not because of like an error that day, but because we are bad. And when you really internalize this feeling and this idea that you are a bad person, then everything that you do, everything that you respond with, it's because you're this evil, unlovable, unworthy being that mm. isn't worth um, love and care and forgiveness. Mm. Mm. So when somebody's unable to forgive themselves really um, and, and place compassion and grace and mercy on self, it's very, very difficult to move forward and do anything and be productive and healthy and um, how can you exude loving kindness to others and and put that out into the universe when you feel so terrible about mm. who you are? That's so hard to like delineate. I, it took me so long to realize when I'm walking down the street, like, oh, this guy, like, oh, this, excuse me. Like I, I was so um, anesthetizing myself by judging other people. I didn't realize the root was self-loathing because ultimately I was the one that was, you know, hurting myself. These are people that they didn't even know I was saying this or thinking this about them. They were just moving through the world. And I'm, and I'm sort of like, like death by a thousand cuts of judging strangers of this guy and this girl and uh, this, this girl taking a selfie in front of a wall with wings. Like, uh, what a shallow, bleh. like, I just, it's like, I'm poisoning myself. And this is how much do I hate myself that I believe that this is the experience I deserve, that this is the inner monologue that I've chosen to curate for myself, just moving through the world, angry, judgy, uh, skeptical, you know, I remember a, a girlfriend of mine when I was struggling with eating issues and was uh, restricting and uh, trying to do as few calories as possible. These, 
you know, they were these like diet sodas I would drink these, you know, gross, like fat free can uh, potato chips with a Lestra. I don't know if you remember that phase they on the bag. It literally said these chips inhibit the absorption of vitamin D and may cause like anal bleeding. I mean, it was like, these were the, you know, what I was eating as food. But I gotta be skinny, you know? I, but I gotta be thin. <laughs> That'll fix it. That'll make my mom stop drinking. And um, I remember a girlfriend of mine came over, Jenny Goodwin told the story uh, before and it's in my book. And she opened my cabinets to go get a snack. And she just gasped like, <gasps> and she just said, um, it's so hard to look at this because this is what you think you deserve. This is what you think of yourself. And she just kind of said it. And it like, I, it didn't occur to me that, you know, what I was feeding myself was a reflection of what I thought I deserved. And the thoughts that I chose or allowed were what I believed I deserved to have to think all day. So it was a little bit of a, you know, you know, mind bend to have to go there because, you know, I also realized that I sort of thrived on self-righteous indignation because I was so insecure. My self-esteem was so low that I had to move through the world and judge people. Oh, look at those pants. Like, well, look at her. She has to show her butt to get attention. And she had, like, I had to judge people in order to make myself feel good about myself. And it, it, it was, it took a second. And I think, you know, what would you say about people who realize that just had a big epiphany? Cause we just had that exchange on this podcast of how to build self-esteem because you see on Instagram, love yourself. Like you put, you know, you can see that adage, but it's like, mm -hmm. how, mm -hmm. you know, something that's helped me was um, a therapist told me once in order to build self-esteem, you have to engage in esteemable actions. It's not a passive sort of thing, you know, just mm -hmm. sit around and self-esteem comes to you because you hope for it, you know? So little things, taking your neighbor's trash out, saying good morning to someone, you know, uh, you know, being of service in some way, volunteering, you know, calling a friend, checking on them without spending the whole conversation talking about your problems, you know, a friend of yours, that's a new mom, bringing her food, some, you know, something that is just like an esteemable action. That's how you build pride and self-esteem. Does that feel right? Have I been conned? Um, that sounds lovely to me actually. And, and, uh, there's a lot of research that shows practicing altruism does a lot for our self-esteem, our sense of value, our sense of um, self-efficacy, which is the belief that I can do what I put my mind to. Um, I want to add to that doing esteemable things and practicing altruism, which of course is acts of kindness with no expectation of something in return, is treating yourself like somebody that you love, even if you don't mm. feel that way right now. It's mm. not a passive thing. Um, people ask me all the time, how am I supposed to love myself? Like you said, like I see all the stuff out there, all the wellness uh, products and various ways that people can get into this, um, you know, mentality of really, really loving themselves. But for a lot of people that feels unattainable because they don't feel that. So it's like somewhere to start is to just treat yourself like somebody you love. Um, somebody you love, you would make sure make that they're you make it. <laughs> Yeah. It's behavioral activation. You do the behaviors and your insight will soon follow if you stick Ooh. to it. You know, if, if you love somebody, you want to make sure that what they're consuming, whether that's food or anything else, media, um, is nutritious for them and fulfills the needs of their individual, um, system. Right. So it's like, 
if you love somebody, you're sure not going to always have them eat stuff that's not very healthy because you have their best interest in mind. So same thing for yourself. I'm sure you're seeing a rise in polyamory. Yes. Is this yes. something you believe is uh, a way to justify addictive behavior, a way, a trauma response, cool and long overdue, something that's a slippery slope? Everything except cool and long overdue. I don't know <laughs> anyone that is polyamorous whose life isn't a mess. Correct. There, there are armies of professionals, armies, just trying to help two people function in a relationship. You bring a third in, it is exponentially more difficult. It's two and, people that aren't going to text you back the next day. And, and it's a way of avoiding intimacy. It's yep. a way of acting on sexual compulsions and whatever. And and it works for some people, right? It we're, I'm not taking, I don't judge. They can do whatever the hell they want. It's just, I've never Works seen, great for Ghislaine. Right. I've never seen it work long term. Never. I've seen it work for a while and sometimes quite a while. You know, do you know Jason Ellis? Yeah, well, okay. So, you know, he and his wife, they were notoriously polyamorous, whatever they were doing their thing. And, and I would, I watched them study them. I'm like, <laughs> well, here are two that it really, these, these are the two. Finally, uh -huh. I found a couple for him. It works. And now they're getting divorced yep. and she is not into it. And it went Does too it, far. It feels it, like the beginning, if you've been in a long relationship, have you seen that it is like the beginning of the end? When you bring that, when you, it's never get makes things better when you bring other people in. But mo, mo, the most significant and common thing is it triggers feelings you can't predict, mm -hmm. you can't anticipate, right. whether it's attachment to the other person or I'm gay or I, I, I'm jealous, whatever it is, you don't, you don't know. And by the way, then people go to great lengths to deny it and suppress it. And then it comes, yeah. it really comes out. Yeah. So I'm like, just cheat on me like a normal person. Well, and, like, don't pretend like this is going to be a consensual, like, Mormon dream. Well, and usually, <laughs> Mormon dream. I'm sorry. Like, what are you saying? Just but, go but cheat usually, and don't let me find out about but it. But usually, one person is driving it, and the other people are sort of coerced into it. That's what I know most yep, commonly. Yeah, see. one person's cheating and one person's suicidal. Usually. Yeah, and so the way they manage it to stay in the relationship is oh, okay, okay. Well, we'll just open it up and do whatever. And, and I still As a way love to not you. Lose you love you. me. And right, right. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad we're on the same page about that. Well, it, it's just pr practically the truth. Mm -hmm. it's, I, if we're if I saw something different clinically, mm -hmm. yeah, were, totally. I, I haven't I, seen someone thriving in it. Yeah, and it's, I it's haven't a, seen it. I wish we. I wish it was like that. Would yep. that be fun? Yeah. We all yes. just do that. It'd be <laughs> awesome. Like, trust me. Yeah. If this could work, I'd be doing it. <laughs> Absolutely. But, it, but <laughs> I mean, it, your it, wife's it, been doing it for years. It's, well, maybe <laughs> we, we don't know. We have to bring her in here. But but it's but now we're you know I'm, I'm home much much more by the way. So it's not happening anymore. So but. But it is something that were it to work, I would I'd be fully endorsing. I right. would be great. But nothing, nothing, I'm not in judgment of it. I don't object to it. I feel like you've seen addictive behavior for so long. Yeah. You know, and I think that to me, polyamory feels like a, the a, addiction's way of tricking you into thinking you're doing something progressive Correct. or healthy or Correct. whatever. Or, or codependency or whatever. It's all, it's all the same stuff. Again. Totally. And and on that same line of thinking. And, and by the way, intimacy disorder under, underneath it, so you don't have to be intimate. So. Yes. But it's like, oh, I'm not going to stick to this socially constructed idea uh, so, of monogamy. Oh, my God. Oh my God. When people start espousing these sort of rationalized bullshit, yep. 
Because they they have the addiction, the disease has managed to, you know, it's a disease that tells you you don't have a disease, has managed to trick you into thinking you're doing something forward thinking. And I, you know, we talked about um, uh, off camera a little bit, which I, you know, want to make sure I talk about on camera as well and own my shit of that also happened to me with uh, cannabis and oh, yeah. microdosing mushrooms. Yeah, yeah. And probably, I'm sure in the 50s, they were like, martinis, it's like the three martini lunch. It's good for your creativity. Yeah. I'm sure ev every addiction was justified in some way. Well, and, and but you but it has a new sort of cloak, which is it's 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 therapeutic or or it's going to enhance your life and your view of reality mm -hmm. and your experience of things. And you're going to be more open emotionally. And the reality, see, is a, the problem is there's a real basis to it, which is, yeah, probably we will have that way of using these things one day, mm -hmm. not now. Yep. We have no idea what we're doing. And so the potential for harm is always present when you don't know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. When you use a chemical that affects this thing, this is a very delicate instrument. But it and comes I've, from the earth and it's a and mushroom. It's a it wouldn't want Lick, lick Amanita phylloides sometimes. See how long you survive. <laughs> it's right off the, the, the forest floor. It looks like, it looks like uh, uh, Alice in Wonderland's mushroom. You, you take a bite of that, you'll be dead in 10 minutes. But it wouldn't want me to have a psychotic break. <laughs> right. It's a plant. We're the same. Plant speaking to me. Yeah. So, so one day we'll have we'll kind of know who where how risk i've seen so many adverse consequences now from hallucinogens of all types microdosing mushrooms microdosing, for example using it whatever i mean i've just seen so much stuff happen now and then my newest concern is the thc is so powerful <laughs> it's that it's just it's now things that i really doubted thc was associated mm -hmm. with i'm just seeing it all the time terms of, of addiction and manias and psychotic episodes. I, I really doubted that it really, I just thought it sort of maybe brought out that mm -hmm. and somebody it's causing it. Yep. So what happened to me in uh, January when I was microdosing mushrooms, because everyone's like, this is going to help you get through your grief and it's going to help you be creative and forgive everybody and whatever. And I was doing microdosing mushrooms in chocolate bars, like a couple nibbles a day. And then I was smoking THC, to uh, at night to sleep. sleep. Yeah. But, you know, it's amazing how you do it at 11 to go to sleep and the next week it's 10 and the next week yeah. you're like, it's 630. Yeah. Should yeah, we, yeah. It just keeps moving up and moving yeah. up. And, you know, I'm not driving anymore today, so it's 1130, you know. And so it kind of starts creeping up on you. And then, of course, you start losing count and then the mushrooms are going but it's, you know, this is good for your creativity. They start talking to each other and working together <laughs> and colluding hysterical. against you. Yeah. And then I'm trying you to find Shelly Miscavige. Really? I, I, I did get close, <laughs> to be fair. So, so that's sort of a manic episode, right? Yeah. Induced mania. Well, you made me understand that I had a manic episode because you told me in a parking lot in Culver City, you were like having a manic episode it makes you feel like no one's listening to you. Well, that the, the mania associated with THC, that is a very characteristic symptom. With, with the, uh, all, and I've seen a lot of mania from THC and people who didn't have bipolar disorder before. And they'll always, in their sort of inflated state, where you're not listening, you're not listening, you don't hear me. There's a lot of that, which has caught my attention because that's not normally what I hear from patients in mania. They just go on about their thing. Yeah. They don't worry about whether you're listening or not. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but THC seems to do something specific that way. And, and the, the good news is 
hey, if it's a THC-induced mania, it's not really bipolar disorder. It's going to get better and you're going to be fine. You know, that's the good news. We think anyway, mm-hmm. it seems like that. And I think also the, you know, I don't know exactly, you know, the mechanism obviously for how the mushrooms work, but I think a lot of people do it to be more, maybe more compassionate or to be more forgiving of people as a, a yeah. you know, a codependent, me having more compassion. That's not so good. You, you need I more compassion like, for yourself. I, I <laughs> was getting, I'm like, it put my trying to rescue people, trying to fix people into overdrive. Oh, yeah. That's, I'm like, you guys. going to get all Scientology and go after them. Saudi just put money into into this television network. We got to stop. I mean, I'm like, I'm like, there's yeah. the clean Flint, Michigan. We're getting clean. Well, I mean. This is all stuff people should care about. Yes. But when you start thinking, I'm going to be the person that's going to. So isn't that interesting? We, we started this conversation talking about the sort of the, the, the narcissistic component of codependency. It's very giving. It's very caring. It's very empathic. But it's me. Uh, and then if that becomes grandiose, mm. which is what mania does, mania makes things grandiose. Now it's all about me and I'm going to save everybody. Yep. Wild. No one else cares. You're not listening. Uh, you're not that, listening. You're not listening is what that no is. No one's listening. No, you're not listening, but my computer is and my phone is and my ring camera is. <laughs> They're <Right>. listening. <laughs> well, that's when it gets it gets gets going. Yeah. That's when you're really you're going. I'm so glad you're better. Thank you're well. I'm <laughs> so, so glad, glad we were not podcasting at that time. I'm glad we didn't really get close then. <laughs> but it was, I mean, it just, it happens so quick. And I think, you know, my biggest mistake, I've, if if cannabis works for you, great. Works till it doesn't. If, you know, mushrooms works for you, great. Yeah, we have no, we're not judging open relations. We're not judging cannabis. I'm doing it every day mushrooms. also. If you're doing this twice a year at Burning Man, Coachella, fine, whatever. And, and some people, it looks like, clearly some people, they're fine. They're, Snoop's fine. Fine. You know, Snoop has worked for him for a long Snoop time. Snoop Dogg is fine, but his best friend is Martha Stewart. I mean, it's there's definitely. <laughs> and have you met Don Magic Wand too. <laughs> yeah, his I'm just advisor. saying when you start, when you start getting really stoned, you're the all of a sudden the people closest to you are very bizarre characters. <laughs> and like the fact that his best friend's Martha Stewart, it's like that's a little wild. It's a big swing, but yeah, Snoop is is the best. And um, but I found myself doing it to check out, not. To check in, my intention wasn't. I'm going to be yeah, creative. But, but, but how can anything of an intoxicant be other than that? Mm. Now I, I'm saying that glibly. I know that people are doing ketamine, you know, guided therapies, and people are doing hallucinogen therapies of various types, and for sure MDMA and complex trauma has a role. I mean, I'm not saying these things don't have a role, but. Right. You know, the 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 really hard work is getting your brain to do what it's getting. I was trying to take a shortcut. Yeah, no shortcuts. I have you ever done EMDR or anything like that? Speaking of shortcuts, yes. That work for you? It was miraculous. Yeah, I'm wondering if that you probably went to the therapist that I sent everybody to. I think probably the the VA or the the VA the um yeah works with vets. No, I'm thinking of somebody who works with a lot of drug addicts and codependents and stuff. Okay. Uh, if you ever do need somebody, person. she's amazing. No, I mean, but, I would love to. I would love yeah. to do it again. I did it on one specific memory and oh, realized. No, that no, it's something you got to kind of like keep going. Yeah, a bit with. Um, but th- but in terms of shortcuts, there is one shortcut we have discovered that doesn't involve altering your brain. It involves just using the internal mechanisms that are available to access things, to integrate stuff, to get things back online. And that's that I, I movement, reprogramming, somewhere. and desensitization. Yeah. EMDR. Yeah. yeah. 
That's it. Shortcut. Yeah. Um, and so, okay, I want to get into a couple of health things and I want to get into all the work you're doing. I've listened to the last like seven episodes of your podcast, been binging it, of talking about Which that. One? Which one? The, uh, I think it's not Ask Dr. Drew. I think it's a the, Dr. The, Drew show. The streaming show. The, the streaming show. I want to. That's been a very interesting project. I'm so excited to talk about this, but we're not, we're going to call the V-A-C-C-I-N-E. Let's call it the, the dopamine. It, it, the dopamine? I, we didn't have to even talk about any of that. Because I just, I have talked to people that had been canceled and have interesting ideas yep. and people that were extraordinary professionals with yep. with with decorated careers. I thought, well, I should talk to see what they've got to say. Mm -hmm. I've learned quite a bit talking yes. to them. Yes. And some of them, I don't agree with it so much. Some mm -hmm. of the stuff they're saying, like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I really believe that there's a fundamental problem right now where there's a group of people that think the way to deal with people that tend towards paranoia or conspiratorial thinking is to hide more information yeah, from them. Yeah, so true. To hide everything. It's the opposite. I worked in a mm -hmm. psychiatric hospital for 35 years. Mm -hmm. The way you deal with any paranoia in a normal person or in a paranoid person, fresh air. Yep. Just uh, don't, don't withhold anything. Just yep. let them have and, and let reason kind of settle in and let them settle down with whatever it is they're getting excited about. They'll get back towards reality if you give them all the information. So that's been that project. That project. Well, to so, me, it's like I, I want to get to that in a second. Yeah. I want to go, go through just like a couple bullet points. But, yeah. you know, it's interesting because like when all that happened, I got the Johnson Johnson right off the bat. I got it assuming there would be side effects. Any kind of pharma, I assume there will be side effects. Well, anything for me to do with viruses, uh -huh. side I get, I get destroyed. Yeah. That's my life. Right. And so, yep. So I immediately got. So, do you not want to talk about this on this platform? No, because it's not. Okay. Because yeah. it's more, I just want to commend your bravery and asking questions and pushing through because yeah. so many doctors won't and can't and it's refuse to. It's so weird to, to me. It's, a, it's the opposite of what we've been trained to do. The and opposite. I think the left used to be the party of question everything, question I, the I, government. I spent my, my whole career at Loveline was Fighting the right. They wanted to, they were calling the morning after pill an abortion pill. They didn't want the HPV vaccine because it made sex easy for adolescents. And I, I'm like, these are these are health questions. You don't even understand what you're talking about. And then all of a sudden, the left now wants me quiet. Yeah. And, it's the weirdest thing. And it's, it's like, I, who imagined RFK, this? Okay, whether you're for him, whether you're forget, against him, I don't have enough information to know. I'm going to defer to doctors on to fact check whatever he's saying. But the fact that people are like, well, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm like, and you do? And, and by you're the way, you're an actor on the CW. <laughs> <laughs> right. What right. the? F what is happening? What is happening? That people learned how to pronounce a medication yesterday and today have opinions about how it should be deployed? If someone is anti-corruption, let's listen. Yeah. If someone is saying, I've been suing, if someone's been suing Monsanto, if someone's saying, I'm going to go in and get, like, like go after all these agencies, I'm going to make it so Big Pharma cannot advertise on our TV stations, why aren't you going, okay, even if... Half of what this guy says is wrong. Yeah, the other half is still better yeah. than the hundred percent everybody else is saying. I, I completely agree with you, and and I interviewed him a couple times on, I, I, on I Ask Doctor Drew, and and he he was I was very interested in what he had to say, and he was just saying I just want I just want there to be more better studies. That's all I want. Better. And studies. And then you guys want Marianne Williamson. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sure she's lovely. They're like, you want the lady that wrote books about God, which is good for you. But God is where the facts are. <laughs> like, I'm so, you know, so to me, I'm kind of just like at a place where, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people think of me as being very left. And I, I, I probably used to all or progressive, whatever that means. But the left's moved so far yeah, yeah. that the, I the feel like I'm just in the middle going, hold on, hold on, hold on. I know a lot of things, but I am not going to um, be in uh 
support of big farm. I'm not going to default to big pharma thinking they want the best for us. The capture of people in regulatory agencies magically showing up as executives in pharma companies. Wild. Back and forth. What is that? Owning the medical journals and, you know, owning the airwaves. So we are, there's two countries where pharmaceutical companies are allowed to advertise on television here here and I think New Zealand, whatever. So the fact that he's saying, I want to make it so the big pharma can't advertise on television, that alone is is enough. No one else will even say that. Mm-hmm. No one else will even say it, which is yeah. so shady to me. Yeah. But I guess again, I got the Johnson Johnson. The Johnson Johnson was pulled almost immediately. So so I'll tell you my story. With I took Johnson Johnson too. I took it because I didn't want to take two vaccines because I thought I have reactions to vaccines like crazy. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to do this. I've lost twice. animals to too many at once, and you know we're animals. Yeah, and the next day they withdrew it after I took it. The next day. And I woke up the next day with a spontaneous black eye, full black eye, which is the presenting feature of the transverse sinus thrombosis, which is the dreaded complication of the of the va- oh. that vaccine. And I thought looking in the mirror going, oh, shit, I'm going to be the only male to get uh, TTP from from this vaccine. And it sort of passed and I was sick as shit and stuff. But it because well, it was you know. like most of the side effects that happened right away or the issues, injuries were women reporting. And, you know, I'm Dave Chappelle used to do this amazing joke about he goes, um, you know, uh, eight men in San Francisco were raped by a serial rapist. And if eight men came forward, that means there were hundreds. <laughs> <laughs> so when only yes. women were coming forward with their injury, I'm like, I'm sure men have yes. stuff, but they're just like, I'm fine. I'm yes. not going to go to the doctor. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. But if it's that pronounced, how do you what? know? I didn't go to the doctor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, like, I mean, <laughs> you just looked in the mirror. Went, I'm either going to get sick or I'm not. So here we go. And so and then so, it was like Johnson Johnson pulled their side effects. Yep. Three months later, Moderna Pfizer comes out and I was like, well, this one's fine. It's like, well, how could the one that was made in six months that came out three months later, these other ones are going to be perfect? No, to me, when I take antibiotics, I know there's going to be side effects, right? I know yeah. it's going to destroy my gut. Yeah, I know- all things have risk reward. We weren't allowed to talk about risk reward. That's the most astonishing thing in the world to me. Every- Everything I do with a patient, I have to evaluate, is the risk worth it? Is the reward worth the risk? Mm-hmm. And and I, we were forbidden from doing that. No. I, that's not the anathema to medicine. And I'm at the point now where, you know, I, I vaxxed and boosted all my elderly patients, and I think they derive significant benefit from mm-hmm. it. And I've seen almost no side effect. Because they, and if they catch it. It's serious business. And, and by the way, I have complex medical patients I care for now. I've had people with, you know, tuberculosis and liver failure and and get COVID. And I'm like, oh, shit, I can't use Paxlovid. I can't do this. I can't do that. But they've been vaccinated. I'm going to ride this one out with them and see how mm-hmm. it goes. It's worked. You know, it's not, you know, a 29-year-old who's going to have a cold. Why do I want to put any risk in that mm-hmm. person, any, expose them to anything? The, mm-hmm. the, the virus is a nothing for them. Mm-hmm. So this is hard for me to understand. I think it's interesting, and I don't know what this would be called, um, you know, herd mentality, you know, whatever it is. But I do think there are certain things that are so big, our brains can't wrap our head around it. We'd rather it... Um, We'd rather pretend it's not happening, some kind of mass denial, like, you know, school shootings. I remember when Newtown happened, I was at a job. People were sobbing. They didn't have kids. People that didn't even have children. The people that had kids, we sent home for the day. It was like a morning holiday. And the whole rest of the week, everyone was somber and black. We were it's a comedy show. We weren't really making jokes. Um, Now you see a school shooting and you kind of keep going. You know, I think that because most people have vaxxed their kids, most people, the idea of vaccines being bad is just too much to 
take on and our brain has to just shut down? Like, is there some kind of self-preservation there psychosis? Is, there is that mass formation psychosis thing that, that uh, a guy named uh, Mirlu Joost, I think it is, first described, and then Desmet, forget Desmet's last name. Just look up Desmet mass formation. Desmet, uh, forget his last name. But these guys are, you know, serious social psychologists, serious mental health professionals who have been studying this stuff for years. Right. And there's and they're looking at this and going, well, here it is. It's happening right now. Everybody, mm -hmm. we've been telling you people do this. Here it is. Mm -hmm. And they're like, fuck you. You know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, no, listen to it. Let's 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 work with this. Let's Can't take this on. Yeah. It's like when um, a couple of weeks ago, people were like, we just found out plants have feelings. I'm like, can't take it on. <laughs> too much. I can't do too it. Much. The answer is that no, they don't. I was in France two weeks ago. We, I was at a vineyard where they were playing music for the grapes. <laughs> I swear to God. They, they do listen to music. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> they do. They make music. They listen to music. It's just like, it's like when I tell people, you know, at the end of every episode, I don't say don't ride elephants. And when I, you know, people ask, is it abusive to ride elephants? And it's like, you tell them, like, can't take this on because I definitely took my kids to Barnum and Bailey. I definitely have ridden an elephant before. I'm going to Thailand in two months. Can't take this on. Yeah. It's too, it's... We're, we're at our limit. Or something, you know, because, so to me, the idea that any party would think that big pharma has your best interest in mind is so wild to me. It's like I was on antidepressants knowing, okay, this might help me, you know, be a little less blue, but I know that I'm going to lose my sex drive and I'm going to be tired and I'm going to have right. a dry mouth and all these things. But this is the one thing we've decided there's just, there's no way there's there no, could no be any I, side effects. They're too scared or I, I, don't, I don't know. The I, a I, pandemic I, just, this like our amygdala just going off, yeah, our well, frontal uh, lobes just went offline. Uh, why, can, you know, why push so hard? I just think about it. We're pushing so hard. And how would to, you know? Doctors are still trying to figure this out. Correct. There's not enough data for you guys to even put it all together. And yet. we're pushing populations who have like no risk from mm -hmm. the illness. Why, why are we pushing them so hard? I, I don't mm. understand. If somebody could explain that to me, maybe I would understand. But it, it just seems odd to me. Mm. And it feels bureaucratic. It feels arbitrary. Uh, and it, it does not feel like medicine at all. It's the opposite of medicine. And tribal. I, I guess this is the first time there's been some kind of obviously pandemic and medicine with social media where yeah. people are weighing in yeah. that have no business yeah, right. weighing you're in. You, right. You're tribal. Exactly. Like if you, if you dare question it, you're not in the tribe. Yeah. Ugh, and I, the idea of my thing is happy to be wrong. Can I ask some questions? So yeah. it's like, I'm about to have a kid yeah. and I'm afraid to say, Hey, I'm going to vax my kid, but the hep C vaccine comes from gay sex not planning on sending my kid to a Catholic school, right. so I don't know how they'd have that, you know, and I guess dirty needles at at a year. Is that the time to get it? Or do we do this at 10? Do we do this at 15? I don't know the answer, but I feel like I can't even ask. The, the oddest thing in the world to me now is that somehow the public has come to believe that the FDA, the World Health Organization, and the CDC is determines how doctors practice medicine. I taught medicine and psychiatry for years. Hear words that never came out of my mouth. What do you think the CDC would say about that? What is the, what's the FDA say? Never, ever, ever, ever. They have nothing to do with the practice of medicine at all. Um, yeah. Except they, CDC provides some information for us so we can scroll through some of the data. The FDA determines what companies can do in terms of how they bring things to market. What we do with those things totally up to us as right. practitioners. And also, the fact that everyone's so defensive is exactly what's making me want to ask more questions. Yeah, me too. 
If, it's so funny. I'm, I have that same exact impulse, if, if, which is that's why I went to interviewing those people. I'm like, <laughs> that guy was the chairman of the Department of Epidemiology. He was decorated by all the medical students for 20 years. And he's an asshole. I, I want to talk to him. If, <laughs> if he was him. like, yeah, there's probably some side effects. I mean, I'm sure there are. I'd be like, oh, OK. Yeah. Like he's like, or we don't know yet. If it's like there absolutely weren't. I'm like, now this is fishy. This is fishy. Right. To be that. Thou doth and, protest too much. Well, especially in biology. Everything's, everything takes so long to arrive at a consensus of what we are sure of. Biology is a very complex thing. The, to me, those people should be saying, how could we possibly know yet? Yeah. And if they were saying that, I'd be like, okay. Yeah. I've, I I don't need to we ask. We think it's the right thing to do. It's the best we can do right but now. But you're we're... getting emotional. You have some kind of weird skin in the game, and this doesn't feel objective all yeah, of a sudden. Yeah, I agree with you. You know? And then if I say, you know, why are 17-year-olds having heart attacks? And people are like, they've always had heart attacks in basketball games in high school. That's you're just not... noticing it now. I know. Yeah. <laughs> you're just <laughs> noticing it. Okay. We're just reporting it now. If you didn't... And by the way, some data came out this morning, actuarial data, that shows it is happening and it is new. And it's not good. This morning, U.S. actuarial data. Hmm. And look, I'm the first person. And by the way, it might be one in a zillion, but it's not good. I'm the first person that would go, okay, let's play devil's advocate to that. Yeah. It could be stress from the pandemic. It could be post-COVID infection. Yep, post-COVID infection. That's the other thing. That, that, but because I've been saying from the beginning, it could be a vaccine, could be COVID, mm -hmm. could be COVID plus vaccine. Could be both of them. Could be if you had both, that may be the one thing that'll do. But you're not even allowed to ask any questions. That's what I'm saying. It's it, crazy. It, it could be the. We'll find out later. It was cell phones. Yeah, that person yeah, flew on more yeah. airplanes. Yes. This person had. It would live near a lead plant. Yeah, this something. person lived on a uranium thing. Like we can't figure it out if we don't ask the questions. But we don't know yet. And the fact that no one can say that definitively, it's not this. That's what's making me feel spooked. You should be. Listening to you, the last, you got good instincts. The last, last seven episodes of your podcast has been really, really wild. Oh, interesting. Like good. we know that Coca Cola is bad for you. I can say it, and no one loses their mind. Right. You know what I mean? Right. We know McDonald's is not good for you. But there probably was a time if you said that Camel cigarettes were not good, people would have been like, "Why well, my doctor recommends it?" Or when my wife's pregnant, <laughs> my wife's smoking camels, and this will always be true. <laughs> and how could it not be? Like, what are you talking about? Like the fact that the humility—it's a lack of humility or ultimately. some kind of Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, there's that too. Well, that's the mass formation thing. But but we need a lot more humility. But this but but and by by the way, written into that too is. Why do you feel it's your business what one doctor does with one patient? That's none of your fucking business. When well, they go, because if you don't vax that person, it could kill my grandmother. Not, they no, have some kind that's of... not true, though. We know that's not true now. But when people went nutty over Joe Rogan's doctor do, doing what he did, I was like, yeah. why is that? That's between Joe. I, I told Joe, I said, that's between the two of you. And by the way, what he did for you is very interesting. Mm -hmm. And there were things he did that was way outlying. Yeah. That, of course, because people don't know enough to know that those were outlying moves, they didn't even notice those. Yeah. They took the I word. They went at that. Like, yeah. hey, horse pace. Uh, uh. Like, meantime, he's getting uh, NAD infusions. Like, oh, that's that's unusual. That's mm -hmm. interesting. Why Mm -hmm. Did it help? Uh, let's, let's talk about it. No, they have to have an opinion about this one thing. And it's like interesting because like, I guess this is kind of the first time in history that we could all hear everybody's water cooler uh, yeah. conversations yep. about someone. So yep. it's like, yes, I'm sure when Richard Pryor talked about beating his wife and stuff, there were dinner parties and people at the office were like, this guy, this guy, this guy. We just didn't have a bunch of proof of it, you yep. know? So maybe we're just seeing more of the... That and maybe the fact that a whole generation has essentially been reared on that instrument, they feel they have to intervene or to have an opinion or with some of their identities involved with mm -hmm. what's going on out there in the world which is not healthy 
Not it's good. interesting because if if you know, I have a couple girlfriends that after they got um, boosted, they or maybe it was I don't remember if it was after they got the initial or boosted, they had their periods. Oh yeah, that's happening a just lot. Just kept having them. Yeah, for true. And my guess is, if I were to ask them or when during the time you're about to get the shot, you will not get COVID and you will not spread it to any family members or yes. any vulnerable people, but you're going to have your period for 12 months straight. Yeah. They'd probably be like, all right, I'll do it. You know what I mean? They, yeah. it, it, that's how scary, scared everyone was well, And maybe time. if it worked the way it was supposed to work, it would have been worth that. Screwed. You know, I talked to Naomi Wolf. You know, she is. Yeah, if, yeah, dude, look, I yeah. got into what I do because of the beauty myth, her book. You should bring her in to talk to her. She's I, I wonderful. I will not be able to hold it together. Oh, she's so great. She's so she, great. I'm going to I'm gonna book, try to figure out a way to take you guys to dinner or something. That book, so. like, formed me as a thinker. Yeah, she she was she's so bright. And she started talking about this observation, and I was extremely dismissive. I was like, Naomi, you sneeze at a random woman, they, their periods go off. Women they in their 40s the bragging they're yeah. not menopausal. Yeah. You're just yeah. trying to say you don't, you're having your period. I, I'm just like, it doesn't really mean anything. So come on, let's not make too much of and this. And women's periods, to be fair, are incredibly erratic. Well, now we are finding microclots in the uterus. We're finding spike protein in the ovaries and in the uterine lining. And I and I heard all that. And for that pregnant women that calcified placentas. It may or may not be significant, but I ended up publicly apologizing to her. I said, I, I am so sorry. I was dismissive. I shouldn't have been. I should be much more open-minded. I should be listening. And we don't know these things yet. I will, and maybe it's nothing. True, maybe it's nothing. But, and then that woman named Vicki Mail, who is very, very pro-vaccine, uh, during pregnancy particularly, uh, I saw a report that she put out yesterday which showed that oh yes uh, both uh, the vaccine does cause irregular periods for one cycle and i was like well that's false because mm -hmm. i've definitely seen it for six cycles routinely mm. routinely so now again you start wondering what's wrong with the literature mm -hmm. why is it just one cycle mm -hmm. when that essentially almost never happens it's always like sustained problems like your friends and also most women aren't reporting this most women don't have health insurance yeah. most women aren't part of these studies too yeah. so there's also there's so much we don't know can i ask one thing about the the just pres preservation of this thing mercury yeah. in general is a big a lot of people are talking about it right now whether it's it's in fish it's in fillings when you take but out your not, fillings it's not in the mercury is really not or the in, ethyl mercury it's not really in the vaccine then, then people flip, flipped over to aluminum i'm like i don't know because you know i i worked in a time when people use aluminum levels used to go sky high if they were in kidney dialysis because of the way we right. they would you would get actually something called denver dialysis syndrome they'd get so much aluminum in their blood that they would get intoxicated from the aluminum and they never had any Adverse events. I never saw anything happen from the aluminum. So mm -hmm. I, I've always been very skeptical of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's me. But like fish, you're just all over fish. I mean, mercury is not good for you. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not something I would welcome into my system. Uh -huh. Heavy metals are not good. But it's like, remember but, when Jeremy Piven like left that play because of mercury poisoning or something? You know, Howard Stern said he got some mercury issues too, and uh, and I'm sure it happens. But it, it, that's a lot of mercury. You'd have to be yeah, deep all, throat and a lot of. And sushi. even then, you stop and uh, things resolve. Your body that's like when kings it. used to get gout. If you're eating so much sushi that you have mercury, you probably have too much money. Or yes, yes. Can I do just speed round and then I'll get you out of here? MTFKR gene, where oh, yeah. some people can foliate yeah. folic acid, some yeah. people can foliate. That's a real thing. Yeah. Yep. And so, do I? If you're pregnant, need to take folic acid? Yes. Do you oh, need yes. to get tested for it? 
Uh, I've not seen data that separates out that population okay. from the folate need generally, but uh, folic acid is a really important supplement of pregnancy and for everybody. Can't some people foliate B12 and some people can't? So yes. you would want to get tested for that to make sure you need to take B12 or foliated Correct. B12. Correct. I think a lot of people I know that are trying to... Ba- pound B12 and like make sure you can foliate it first. Yes, correct. Okay. But blood... you know, we used to always say just always get folate with B12, you know. Like, okay, uh, just a yeah. blood type diet. Zero. Zero. <laughs> I don't see anything in that. Zero. I, I will try it. Okay. Look, I... look, just paying attention to your diet yes. has dramatic effects. Right. <laughs> so whatever, I'm really, I'm, I'm serious about this. Yeah. Just eating consciously mm-hmm. has a dramatic effect on, on your health. So please, if you want to follow a, anything, follow it. Um, just be uh, conscious. Sunscreens yeah, are causing I cancer. <laughs> I know. I I I I don't have an opinion yet. Okay. I, I I've been watching that. I'm uh-huh. worried about it. Uh-huh. There's something there. I don't know what it is yet. It always but... did feel weird to me that like putting something well, on your face stopped and... the sun. Yeah. This has got to have some kind of chemicals. In yes. It. Yes. And, and but is it worse than? the sun. That's the question. Right. You know, I mean, I remember I was a... using so much sunscreen, I'm a vampire, that I had a vitamin D deficiency. Oh, no. You know, too. Crazy. So... That's an important supplement, vitamin mm-hmm. D. Very important. I guess I'm ready to be a hat lady. <laughs> I'm about to be a hat lady. <laughs> Any, because of what you worked um, in so much in having so much experience in mood disorder, stuff like yeah, that, yeah. Um, how do you feel about lithium these days? Well, you, you're talking about mood instability, right? Mm. Mood, you know, bipolarity, classically. Uh, lithium, you know, it's a funny drug. It's a, it's a salt. It's not a big deal. It has some kidney effects. And you can get it on Amazon. Thyroid effects. And it, it can, you got to watch it. It has to be in certain le- uh, values. It's, I've never thought of it as a good. They, for a while there, they were adding it to antidepressants to enhance the effect of antidepressants. Never saw a dramatic effect from that. I, I always worried about bipolar patients on lithium because the, the anti-seizure meds, the Lamictal and the Depakote are so much better. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, bipolarity is really kind of a seizure phenomenon. You're, it's like a kindling that gets going and then it's a fire and you got to put the fire out. Anti-seizure meds work beautifully for that. Um, I had a lot of success with 5-HTP. It's good. It's just, or, yeah. And or whether it's placebo effect or no, not. No, no, that makes sense. It'll have some effect. Do you ever, I mean, obviously no, but... I always like joke that I want to open a medical practice that's just placebo. It's just sugar pills. I have no objection to placebo. <laughs> if it makes people feel better, I why mean, not? it's so effective. It yes. seems like I was prescribed yes. five milligrams of long release Adderall to sleep. Sleep. Yeah. Weird. Right, because if you if you're taking if you actually have ADD, oh, it, it calms you down. Calms right. you down. Yes, yes, of and then I had I was prescribed ten milligrams Prozac and found out later that it was like a placebo dose for. <laughs> But it really worked. Yeah, well, I, but that, but that's a pharmaceutical agent. That, that's more than a placebo. Right. Even you know anything pharmacological is extra physiological, right? It's it's already taking your system and tweaking it. Right. By the way, people have such a weird feeling about doctors prescribing. I, I you know, look as a physician, we have two things basically we do: we cut and we prescribe. Right. And that's it. Yep. That's all we can do. Other than that, we can give you our knowledge and education, and we can just send you a physical therapist, and we can send you to a psychotherapist, things like that, where they do their thing with their knowledge. But as clinicians, we're essentially just prescribing. Mm. We're trying to change the biology in a positive direction or deal with the anatomy with a knife, Mm. trying to change that in a positive direction. Mm. It's all we got. I'm going to ask your protocol in a second, but is there anything, because I feel like, you know, uh, 
I think there's such a reason that you get along so well with comedians and have so many comedians oh, around you is I think, you know, we tend to see things coming down the bend. Yes, you do. And I love that. You're, you're watching stuff. You're seeing patterns and you, you're penetrating things. But we're, we're kind of because of whatever trauma we come from. Yeah. We always had to be 10 steps ahead. We yeah. always had to anticipate danger. We always had to be hypervigilant or kind of, you know, so we're always sort of thinking it, or maybe we just have a lot of time on our hands and uh -huh. we're thinking about the future and this is going to be a problem. Like we were talking yep. about censorship and all this stuff four or five years ago. Everyone thinks we're crazy and we're paranoid, but we're always trying to sound the alarms. Kind of yes. what we do is this is coming. This is coming. Yes. Whether people listen or not. And I think that, you know, you're someone that sees things before everyone else is going to see well, it. I'm I, sure I, it's I, maddening. I'm not that clairvoyant. I know what you're talking about. But I just comedians. mean you're the one that's seeing. I, I see them when they start. You I see, saw I see AIDS before. You probably yeah, saw I the Oxycontin thing when coming. When it's going, I see it and I have an opinion about it because I, I I've i seen so much. I've practiced medicine so long. I just know what's you, what you, when things are out of line. And when your boots on the ground of, you know, seeing what's coming down the pike, like what do you feel like right now? You're kind of like, oh, uh, I don't have enough information yet to say this is going to be a big problem in 10 years. You know, whether it's um, you know, uh, you know, intermittent fasting. I know people there's mixed reviews on whether that's, you know, super effective or not. If it's effective for you, none of my business. Stress your body out. Do it. <laughs> um, I was anorexic for like 15 years, so I think I hopefully got the benefits. Um, but is there anything you look to that's like, oh, this is Let me think I got my I... eye on this. Well, I you know, I, vision loss from computer, you know, uh, use well, porn and its effect. I'm worried about that. I, I, on young people, I, we just, we just don't know what, mm -hmm. what is that going to play out? Guinea pigs. I, I worry about our. Well, the average age of kids losing their virginity is going up. Right. But and... the average age of porn exposure is going down. Yeah. <laughs> and, and maybe that's what's, maybe people are freaked out. Like, oh, that's not me. I don't want to be part of that. Maybe yeah. they get traumatized by looking at it. There, there's somebody that Interesting. hypothesizes some of the gender stuff is related to that. Like, whoa, I'm not, must not be a woman or must not be a man. I, that's not, I don't, I don't like any of that stuff. If that's or, what I have to do. I'm out. Right. It's like that must not be me. I must be, and, or maybe, or maybe they're traumatized. I don't want it to be me. I, I, I don't know. Whoa. All, all this stuff needs to be kind of worked out. Yeah. Whoa. Uh, that's mind blowing. If it's, if it's, a, I don't know if that's a thing or not. Literally, I, that's I, a category now. Mind blowing. Yeah. So, mind blowing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a new porn category. When it got into like stepmother and stepbrother, it, like. Which I guess isn't technically incest. Milf porn seems progressive. Like milf porn being number one seems like, like that. really promising. <laughs> um, but when it starts getting into like the normalization of this like sex with stepbrothers and stepmothers, oh. I'm like, I don't know, guys. Yeah, where what's that all about? I don't know. And I, I do. I, there is something I've heard about just recently that has got on my radar that I've been concerned about. So I've noticed that young males are really not good in their relational situations. They're either afraid of women, they're afraid of being seen as toxically masculine, they wouldn't mm. dare offer a woman a drink when yeah. they're relating to them or having, you know, dating, whatever. They are, uh, they're, they're freaked out and scared and they are not developing the normal milestones and skill sets mm. for dating and forming relationships and women are mistreating them. So you say uh, my robot, there's a market for my robot. Young men are going to, porn to uh, prostitutes. And I in all those years doing Loveline, I never heard that. Now all of a sudden, it's it's on my radar. They're wow. they're going to prostitutes, and once they go, they keep going, and it's concerning. 
I mean, I see why there's safety in transactional sex these days where people are worried I'm going to send the wrong texts or I'm going to re- read the signals wrong. I'm going to be seen as a rapist of, or toxic or whatever. Which is yeah. tricky because... And then, by the way, then they don't develop the skills they need to properly navigate those things. And I'm... I'm Look, I'm... It's actually... You're making a lot of bells go off because the last couple guys I've dated are like very... Are younger. And they are also moving to older. Wait, am I a prostitute? Um, but no, no, that's the other thing they're doing. Moving to older women Be- that they know they can't hurt me. I don't know. I can't remember my Twitter password. I'm not going to accuse you of anything. I right. wouldn't even know how. Right. And, and not because you're older, but because you're not part of their peer age mm-hmm. who are so hyper vigilant about all this stuff. Yeah. And so. the stakes are so high of like, am I going to misread these signals? Yep. And, you know, and then girls are going, choke me, hit me, spank me. And it's like, uh, is this yeah. a trap? And then, a girl gets her heart broken and then you know i have no idea what kind of dumb stuff i would have done in my teens and early 20s after getting my heart broken if i had twitter or some way to blast a guy that broke my heart oh. i have no idea what would have happened with yeah. like the fact i was not in a program yet i was yeah. like a burn it all down like that's, i got that's, hurt that's a very powerful insight uh and and i i hope a women who have hear her saying that will write and tell you their stories and interact with you about that. Don't just do something, sit there. You like need decide, if like if you're going to make a decision about something like that, that that's that permanent, that's yeah. going to affect their life or forever. Or they perceived it a certain way too. And it's going to per- affect your life forever, their life forever. Yeah. Like I'm not saying sit on something illegal that happened, but no. decide if you want this to be your number one Google search for the rest of your life. Right. You know, that's a very powerful insight. And it's tricky because there's a lot of, yeah, that was bad sex. Yeah. That's not illegal. Yeah. I asked for something. I didn't get it. He that was transactional or just was uncomfortable. I didn't like it. Whatever it was. It just even just talking to a comic about this last night and about like sort of I've done it, too, where I wanted so badly to be like, I don't need anything serious. I don't want anything serious. I can just sleep around. I'm not going to get attached to this person. Here I am on his Facebook page attached to this person, you know, so we don't know what our neurochemicals are going to do. We don't know how we're going to behave when we're, you know, heartbroken. And and, and admit it to yourself when you do have real feelings. In my day, we just drive by their house. (laughs) Sit outside. (laughs) We were sending tweets and ruining their life, (laughs) you know, so I am really horrified and embarrassed by some of the things that I did under the influence of fear and grief and heartbreak yeah. in my early 20s. And, you know, so who do, knows? Do you have OCD features, too, a little bit? Me? Yeah, okay. What? Because, because I have that, huh? too. I have that also. And that and that drives some of that kind of obsessional stuff. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, so, uh, you Especially know. Especially when you're younger. It's oh. of, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's like cutting. I mean, you know, it's really like, how do I, you know, Release. and having no idea how to self-soothe, having yeah. no idea you know, what I'm owed. And then you're talking to your girlfriends. You're like, he shouldn't have done that. And he shouldn't have said that. And then I see him with some girl. And now all of a sudden I was, don't want to take responsibility for my part in it. Or we do wild stuff when we're hurt. I'm like, you know, wild stuff to try to self-soothe. Hurt people. That's a hurt famous people, old statement. Tweet about people. Yeah, to, to be hurtful. <laughs> exactly. Final thing. Your can I ask? Your you have more energy than most people I know. You're now into self. Can I just ask what you're doing? The supplements. Yes. Just what are the. So, okay. So I'm 65 in a couple of weeks. That's crazy. Yeah. To me. Isn't that crazy? And uh, <laughs> so I mean, I you got to remember, I practiced medicine for 30 years before I was doing a lot of TV and radio and stuff, and. Um, 
Are you, are you okay? You're a little I just, you look so good. Sorry. Very well preserved for someone that has slept so little and had to take on so many. I'm sleeping again now. I'm sleeping. I'm trying to pay attention to that. So um, I've always been an exerciser. Always, okay. always, always. And as I told you, we were talking about my friend Peter Atia, and he, we were talking about longevity. And finally, when I was bugging him about a lot of different ideas, and he finally turned to me and went, vigorous exercise. That's the one thing yeah. I tell you for sure. And uh, lately, I've been being part of a, this organization called V Shred, where they put me on a diet and a, an exercise program, and it's really been great. I can completely sign off on it because it's like having a trainer, but it's just a video trainer kind mm -hmm. of thing. I take, in terms of supplements that I take, I take um, something called True Niagen, which is an NAD. I bet, yep. I, I, I've talked to their scientists. I became convinced some time ago that there's something to that. Nice. And as you know, Rogan and Segura and those guys are getting NAD infusions, mm -hmm. uh, which is a much more powerful so way to do it. If you play basketball as much as Segura does, <laughs> you're going to have to <laughs> make sure. Get your bones to heal. <laughs> that was the craziest thing ever. Dude, I never, it still makes no sense. Okay, so I take, I take True Niagen. I'm also on blood pressure medicine and cholesterol medicine and that kind of stuff. And I have prostate cancer. You know, I had my prostate out 12 years ago and I've had radiation and I'm, yeah, yeah. It's all part of aging. If you got to get a cancer, that's a good one to get. Get ahead of yeah, it. Yeah. Well, it's just not a, it's, it's a slow one. Mm. Um, okay. So I take uh, the NAD. I take the nicotinamide riboside. Do you I, do the NAD, the NMN also? I don't. You I did just it for the, a while. Uh -huh. And um, I just unconvinced. Okay. I, I feel like the NAD is much more direct to the biology. I take, but I do take N-acetylcysteine, which is a way to try to raise glutathione which doesn't right. antioxidant. But you wouldn't take glutathione direct? It doesn't get in. It doesn't get where it's supposed to go. If somebody could convince me it was getting where it needed to go, I would. Uh, and uh, HMB recently has come out as something that might be good for our brains and things, mm -hmm. so I just started that. Uh, let me think. Is there anything? Oh, I take fish oils. I take uh, particularly uh, DHA. I take what a big dose of liver? DHA. Same, same okay. idea. Same idea. I, again, exactly what you should be doing there. I just try to stay with high quality fish oils. That's my thing. I take a vitamin D with K2. Okay. I do that. Uh, let me see. Is there anything else I'm doing that's kind of goofy? I take our reds for the eye. I have a little macular degeneration from all the years of UV exposure as a mm -hmm. lifeguard when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Um and I, and I think minerals are important. I think mineral supplementation. The, again, this is for older. This guy's I'm in my 60s. Yeah, it's for uh, not for you. It's for guys like me. I mean, the NAD right. thing might be. A, I started when I was probably 45. Right. Resveratrol. That. Maybe. Mm -hmm. I have no objection to it. I don't do it. Right. I did it for a while. I just I'm not sure. Magnesium. Aren't we all yes. pretty deficient? Yes. I take magnesium. Yep. And I take molybdenum and selenium and a bunch of other you know trace elements. Right. So, Metformin. And, it really looks good. Like I said, I was bugging. I was on it. I mean, I just had to go off it because of it masked gestational diabetes. Yeah. But I felt like I felt like my skin was better. I had, yeah. And I had so much more energy. Do you have I've... PCO or anything? Do you have polycystic ovaries? No. Because it's really good for that. But oh. but well, you, I'm not accusing you of having PCO. Okay, what does that mean? Polycystic ovarian yeah, syndrome? I don't, not it, currently. PCOS? It's, I don't a, it's a really so. common thing for what yeah. women have. Um, I, I was actually bugging Peter about metformin when he turned to me and said vigorous exercise. So mm -hmm. that's what I laid and off. And I like metformin. saying vigorous exercise, like because we all know we're supposed to exercise, but but yeah. I mean I like the explanation of like the biological basis for why carrying heavy things, doing vigorous exercise, oh. it tells. This is like the dumb way of saying it, and please correct me. Of like telling your DNA, you're still valuable to the tribe. Like yeah. stay young. Yeah. Like you and know, use this thing, use that as much as you can. Learn new languages, things like that. But there was something else I was doing. Oh, I, I also really have been trying to limit carbohydrate. We we had a little talk yeah, about that for a yeah. I, I could never get my HDL up and my triglyceride down until I cut out carbohydrate, and then it took care. Do of Do you itself. remember the old food pyramid? Oh my god. <laughs> 
It's just we, this is the shit. That, this is how the dominant practices medicine. This is how bureaucrats come up with recommendations for patients. It was literally like like the second tier was just like loaves of bread, yeah. like pasta. jelly beans. Remember pasta was like pasta. There was, like, there was like a mound of pasta yeah. at the top. Yeah, no, they, it was disgusting. At it was the ridiculous. top, there was one apple, but it was like a runt. Yeah. 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 Like Crab that, apple. That, <laughs> food pyramid was bonkers. It, well, they came up with some new ones that was even equally as bad. Look, bureaucrats do not know how to <laughs> make medical recommendations. It, like Wonder Bread, like Food Pyramid, brought Build, to you by Wonder Bread. <laughs> brought to bodies you by, in 12 ways. Or something. Remember that brought to thing? you by Pillsbury. Like, yeah. What? yeah. <laughs> well, this is, this is a, I think, general skepticism towards things that are being advertised or marketed to you is uh. a very proper way to, to, to go. Any um, postpartum uh, depression tips? God, there's a new medication. looks really good. Really? <laughs> yeah, you have, you have to take it IV at first. Uh, I've been reading a lot about it lately, and it's like, wow, I think this it's a it's a GABA medicine. Okay. So it's not a SSRI, any of those things. And man, it, the data looks good. Now, I've only seen a couple of papers, not a lot of data yet, mm. but but there is something now that I think that's going to be an, a, a, a you know a potential option for women. The the thing that the dreaded complication postpartum is postpartum psychosis because those are wild. The key wild, to wild, wild. handling postpartum psychosis is to just have had prepartum psychosis. <laughs> you, just, you see it coming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, Some of the wildest psychosis I've ever seen have been been postpartum psychosis. Like when you hear about women drowning their babies and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of it is exhaustion and sleep deprivation, right? It, it only makes things worse. But it's these massive shifts in your biology. Massive, massive, massive. You have to kind of prepare for it. And then you have stress and a baby and no sleep and all these things all at once. It's okay. A lot. It's a lot. I really hope my night nurse doesn't have postpartum yeah, psychosis. I was gonna say, get manpower. Get help. I'm getting do I'm not, getting do not be embarrassed about that. We no. have triplets, you know. Had, that is so wild. I, it's beyond. And we were just like, I, whenever other people have multiples, I just say, manpower, just get help. Yep. Don't be embarrassed. Yep, yep, yep. You have to survive I'm going to have a night nurse who will be there to so you help. you got to survive. you yeah. got to survive. And by the way, if you're so tired that you can't be available for the child or you're having fantasies of killing the child, which also are normal. Yeah. <laughs> because I do get intrusive thoughts sometimes when I'm holding someone else's baby. I'm like, what if I just drop this baby? And I think, and it seems like, oh, that probably served a purpose. Uh, there's a biological basis for that, like to worry about something like that. Yeah. But hopefully when it's my kid, it won't be that. No, that's your OCD. Great news. It's just my OCD. Thank you so much. I love spending time with you. We had Ditto. more stuff. Yeah, Ditto. so this was really fun. Let's do it again and again. Long overdue. All right, don't ride elephants. I end these awkwardly. Love you guys. Bye.